So this is the part of the, the service that we're going to open up the Bible together. And before we do that, I want to share a few things that, that, I, that blew my mind this week. That actually blew my mind. We're going to put up a wee picture and uh, it's going to come up onto the screen. And I had no idea about this. And you'll see when you see the picture. I got to find out that a petrol flap has a holder for the cap when you fill up your petrol or your diesel. And honestly, I was saying to Mary earlier today about that, and she's like, not all cars have that. Maybe you can let me know. But I, now when I fill up the petrol, I put it in the little holder, and I'm all smug. I'm smiling and going, ah, I've got a holder now for this cap. It doesn't need to dangle anymore. Um, so, yeah, we can get rid of that picture now, but that's a, that blew my mind this week. Also, I found out if you put wraps in the oven in muffin trays, they make really good taco shells. So there you go. Uh, we used them for chili this week, and they were pretty good. And finally... And you're going to see where I'm going with this now. It's not just helpful <laughs> life hacks. We're going to be reading God's word. I found out that RSVP stands for, now in my best French, Respondez s'il vous plaît. Respondez s'il vous plaît. I did not know that. RSVP stands for that. Uh, so there you go. We're drawing our series called New Roads and New Rivers to a close this morning. We're in week five and we have looked at a couple of things over the last uh, four talks that we've done. We've looked at honouring the past and not living in the past. And we've been drawn from the words in Isaiah 43. We've looked at what it does it look like to be a people who see and perceive what God is doing. We've looked at our grip in the day-to-day. -day. Are we holding on to Jesus tightly and the world lightly? What does that look like practically? And uh, I believe Today, as we kind of draw it to a close, an overarching theme is that the, the Lord wants to invite us into the new. He wants us to have a responde, s'il vous plaît, moment, an RSVP moment. It sounds better as RSVP rather than my poor French, doesn't it? But an invitation moment, a moment to step in or to step back in, to step forward into what God has for us. So these verses in Isaiah 43, which we've been looking at for each of the talks in this series, say the following. From verse 18, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And within these couple of verses, as we've looked at them, uh, we've seen reminders. We've seen a declaration from God, a promise, and ultimately an invitation and what we do with that invitation is important. I, I want to look at a, a passage in Exodus this morning that shows us some of the things that get in the way when God speaks and invites us into the new. And I, I believe in all sorts of ways off the back of the season we've been in, there are new things ahead for Inverness Vineyard Church, for, for us as individuals. He invites us into bringing our yes, not just on a, a Sunday context, but into our Monday. And there's new things ahead for us. Our boys at the minute are really, really obsessed with bath bombs. <laughs> the excitement when you show them a bath bomb, their face, like, like yeah, they jump up and down. They go, ah, we can't, we can't wait to use this bath bomb. There's just a anticipation. And, uh, you know, if I could bottle up that excitement, 
and sell it. It would be it would be really popular. You know, I want to come into these spaces, into these environments where we gather together, although it looks slightly different online. I want to come with the same expectation and excitement that was in, in our boys' faces with the bath bombs. I don't want to settle. In this moment right now, where we are together, this is more than watching. This is an invitation moment into wonder, into worship, into relationship. I, I feel I'm, I'm really hungry just now. I'm really hungry and just reminded afresh of, of how big God is. And Isaiah 55, a couple of chapters ahead, we read, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. There's an invitation to partner, to participate, to not just think or say, but to step in, to ask God, to have a moment this morning where we say, God, what are you saying to me right now? Right now. And then to ask secondly, ourselves, what am I going to do about it? God, what are you saying to me right now? And what am I going to do with what you're saying to me? The enemy loves comfy because comfy is convenience and convenience isn't the kingdom of God. And I don't want comfy Christianity. I want to see our city transformed by the gospel, Jesus to be known, our streets to resound with the, the sound of worship, the sound of singing. So I want to very briefly focus on Exodus 4 and to look at a dialogue between Moses and God. So we have Moses speaking with God and there's an invitation from God after a powerful encounter with a burning bush, a, a powerful encounter with God, in Exodus 3. And Moses is having several wobbles. He's had one or two in the previous chapter, uh, but it's continuing on into chapter 4. And he's been called to lead God's people out of captivity. And we see that it's a battle on the inside that's got a grip of Moses. This is what is winning through. This is what is dominating his actions, his thoughts, his decisions. And isn't that often the way can't that often be the way that the internal dialogue, well, actually internal monologue, it often stops us. It often freezes us. But what I want to encourage us with this morning is that God's mercies are new every day. There's a book that I've been reading uh, by Dave Ortland called Gentle and Lowly. And if you're looking for something to read, that would be a fantastic, fantastic book to read. It says the following, do you know what God does with those who squander his mercy? He pours out more mercy. God is rich in mercy. That's the whole point. So we're going to read Exodus 4, 1 to 17. It says this, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it in the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took a hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. 
This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since uh, you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you and he'll be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if uh, he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. Amen. Amen. God is a turnaround God. He can turn all things to work together for his Good. I want to firstly look at, uh, well, there's three points, classic three points. The first one, God turns our what-ifs into even-ifs. Uh, we used to visit friends, or we yeah, used to before uh, we weren't allowed to, in Edinburgh. They're old university friends. And uh, before we had kids, we would always uh, go over for an overnight stay, hang out and get a takeaway in. And when we arrived into the room, every time without fail, we would have a little Lindor chocolate. We'd have the towels all nicely folded on the bed. And there'd be a lottery ticket. There'd be a lottery ticket. Now, we have never, just to clarify, played the lottery except for these times. But about an hour of our conversations when we had this ticket on our bed, we would dream about what we would do. We'd check what the jackpot would be. What would we do? What if we won £20 million? Yeah, we'd give some to you guys. We'd say to the couple we're staying with, after all, you're letting us stay in your house. Let's draw a little contract up. We'd get Excel spreadsheets. No, we wouldn't really. Uh, but we'd prepare in the press release. What would we say? What would we wear? We'd be looking for the Spanish villa online. What if? What if? And that was a fun what if, to dream a little in terms of that. But often the what ifs that swirl around our minds can be crippling. The opening in verse 1, we see from Moses, we see a what if. What if they don't believe me or listen to me? And it's how this chapter opens. What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? You know, the Lord is so gracious in this encounter. As the following these questions by Moses, following this what if, he provides signs for Moses to show uh, that, that God, that he is with him. Have you ever had those moments? Where you're like, God, like, what if this happens? And you see God speak or reaffirm or confirm that you're right where you want him to be. And then after that, you still have another question. Well, was that really? Do we ever have these moments? What if? 
Now, I'm not saying don't plan, don't think about the scenarios. That's a wise thing to do. But not to let it freeze us. To let faith in those moments arise. One of the commentators of this passage says, God does not ask us to go where he has not provided the means to help. Yes. We have a danger when we focus too much on the what if and not the one who has spoken. God has spoken to Moses here. He's had a clear dialogue, a detailed dialogue, a mission to take God's people from a slavery. Yet Moses lets the what if dominate. I want to ask us how often we go into those spaces where our minds spiral out of control. We think of the worst case scenario. What if they'll never speak to me again? What if everyone acts different? What if they don't reply? What if I make a mistake? What if I say the wrong thing? What if I don't fit in? What if I don't look like everybody else? What if I'm too old for this? What if I'm too young for this? What if uh, I get found out for who I really am? What if I get scared? What if it doesn't go to plan? What if, what if, what if? Joyce Mayer says, Satan takes our circumstances and can build strongholds in our lives. How he wages war on the battlefield of the mind. But thank God we have weapons to tear down the strongholds. God doesn't abandon us and leave us helpless. We are not helpless this morning. Quite the opposite. There's an invitation into even if. And I'm reminded of Psalm 23, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Even if you are with me, you are with me. I want to just ask us, where are we bringing what ifs where actually there's an invitation into the new? Where are we feeling slightly frozen this morning that God by spirit is just calling us out, reminding us he is with us? Lord, I want to pray, Holy Spirit, come. Where we've had moments of feeling frozen, where we've let what-ifs dominate, decide for us where we're going. I, I want to pray, Holy Spirit, that you would break that right now. That there would be a fresh invitation into the even-ifs. That there would, there would be an increase of faith. There'd be a boldness that would rise up in us. A reassurance, a security and a safety that you are with us. That you never leave us. That you never forsake us. May we be a people that change our what-ifs into even-ifs. Amen. Secondly, he turns, uh, I am not qualified to I am called. We see the second declaration from Moses to God. I have never been eloquent in speech. And it's a declaration which focuses on his seemingly unqualified, unqualification, uh, counting himself out. And God says, go and lead my people into freedom. Moses says, what if? God gives him some signs. And then Moses says in verse 10, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. He isn't qualified to speak. He can't speak particularly well. He hasn't done a good job in the past. He's still not doing it now. It's not engaging. It's not edge of the seat stuff. It doesn't say the right things at the right time. It takes ages to think and say uh, stuff. And when, when he does, it's not very good. You notice in Moses' speech, he references the past. I wonder how much we 
raise up blockers because of the past, when it went wrong. We have to be a people that are okay with failure and okay with mistakes. I met someone not so long ago and I, I said the line, it's okay to make a mistake. And it was like in that moment, the Holy Spirit was with us. It was like at that moment, the whole demeanor of this person changed and there was a sigh of relief, tangible sigh of relief, really? We've got to learn to step in and step out and when we don't get it right, go again. Go again. Maybe that's what some of us need to hear. Go again. Go again. I wonder how many of us know that God is whispering or shouting to take a step, but we're blocked in by fear or pain or disappointment, self-preservation, by hiding because of the past. Jesus wants this morning to urge us not to be sitting in a year's time pondering it over, almost like a car revving up and not moving forward. And the secret in this is remembering who qualifies us to the works of God. It's God himself, not us, not other people, not certificates, not experience, not fancy words, not people. And that's a constant reminder for myself. I try not to, I try not to think too much sometimes what we're actually doing in planting a church. Uh, I probably need to, there's probably a word for me to step more into that in terms of uh, remembering you know, I'm a, a business and HR graduate uh, who spent four years uh, of my life giving people mortgages, who then felt a call from God to step in to help with young people, to be a youth pastor. And at uni, at university, studying for that degree, I was as distant from God as you can imagine. I was lost. I was uh, a wee bit of a mess. Before... Uh, volunteering with uh, the youth group before I, I got that job. I'd never spoken publicly. I'd never thought about doing that. And I've had seasons of real doubt and wobbles and anxiety of questioning, moments of asking, there's got to be someone else. And I've made some mistakes. But I've had people to encourage I've had people who have stood alongside me and said, that's okay. And drew me back into who God says I am. And everything God calls us to, I think we all have those battles of comparison and insecurities if they really knew me. But I think we're to use those moments to give God the glory, to refocus. We're to show God and each other the real us and not to be afraid of that. I still have wobbles. I still have moments of selfishness and pride. I still have moments of doubt and fear. I'm, I have moments where I feel incredibly weak. And it's been, uh, it's been blooming tough. This blooming has been blooming tough. It's been really tough this last year. And we're not invincible. We feel it. And I have mornings of thinking I'm not the most knowledgeable or the most academic or the smartest. I, I don't have a certificate. I'm not super pastor 2.0. I speak and preach pretty simply with simple truths. I don't use big words and I go, ah. 
But I try not to let it stop me in the wobbles. I try to keep showing up because I know deep down I am called. And I've seen the goodness of the Lord. I've seen him move. I've seen the breakthroughs. I can tell you the stories. I've seen moments where his presence shows up and change the atmosphere in situations and meetings and one-on-one encounters with people. I have seen the goodness of the Lord. And I want Inverness, I am passionate about Inverness to be a place where Jesus is known. And revival comes. Steve Furtick in his book Unqualified says, Admitting our weaknesses is not doubt, fear, or lack of faith. Actually, it's one of the most clearest signs that we have faith. It means that our confidence is placed in God and not ourselves. It means that we are secure enough in who he is to admit who we are not. We give him the glory. And God reminds Moses that he is creator God. He is a deliberate God. He has a plan. I love in verse 11, God says, who gave human beings their mouths, Moses? It's almost like he's saying, I created them, matey. Now go and use them. Go and use them. I know how they work. He is all powerful for us not to be all powerful. We are but jars of clay. And we've seen what our yes does when we're not beaten by the I've never been or I'm not qualified. We've seen what God does. And I want to ask this morning, what does he want to do through you? What is God saying and what are we going to do? What is the, the calling to you that is, uh, the, or the, yeah, what, is the, what has the Lord been speaking to you that you have been speaking over unqualification? I will never, I have never. Perhaps that very thing is the thing that God wants you to step into. Perhaps that's the new. You can imagine Moses listening to other speakers, can't you? Thinking, oh, they're so good. He's really good at that. In the uh, the book, just as I come to a close, Gentle and Lowly, uh, Dave Ortland says that that God is rich in mercy means that your regions of deepest shame and regret are not hotels through which divine mercy passes, but homes in which divine mercy abides. It means the things about you that make you the, the, the things about you that make you cringe most make him hug hardest. The final point I want to share this morning is he changes, he turns around our anyone else here to here I am. In verse 13, we read, Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. So God says to Moses, trust me, I've given you some signs with the rod and the hand and the Nile. I've told you, I've reminded you. I've told you about your mouth as well. I created that. And then we have, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. Please send someone else. And Moses' language, pardon your servant, is quite contradictory in that. Your servant. God reassures Moses by bringing his brother along. He provides and he knows exactly what Moses needs. He knows exactly what we need this morning. God gives Moses what he needs at exactly the right time. And often we say, When God speaks certain steps or certain things he wants us to step into, it's not for us because we think someone is better. Or we're scared that God won't provide or we feel I'm I'm not qualified enough. 
What would it look like the next time we had that invitation to pray for a friend or to share about Jesus or to pay it forward at Starbucks? We decided uh, to say to that monologue that happens, no, and to start a dialogue with God, to change the monologue into a dialogue. That we know that there probably is better people to do what we're doing, but in that moment, we are God's best. For that moment, we are God's best. And I believe that's the... One of the secrets in winning this city for Jesus to share hope, to love others, is taking those faith-filled steps, one step at a time. So what's the invitation? What's the invitation this morning? The respondez s'il vous plaît, the RSVP. Got the French accent down there. What is God speaking to us about? What are we responding with what ifs that he wants to reshape into even ifs where are we speaking over unqualification that he's saying you're called right now you are called into that space and i will provide for you and where are we saying please send someone else and actually this morning he's wanting us to surrender and say here i am send me wonder what that looks like what's god saying right now to you in this space in this moment and what are the one or two actions that we're going to take away and do following it?